0: MyPatriotSupply.com.
1: Welcome to DNF. Spencer Hall and Jessica Spatana here. We are both back after um, long weekends in Austin. Spencer and I got to hang out in person for the first time in a while in Austin this weekend. It's been, Spencer, a couple weeks since we've spoken, and so a lot of things have happened in Formula One. Primarily, there has been a, a champion crowned.
2: Yeah, we 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 got Max Verstappen. Shocker! What? Shocker that! Shocker that! The guy who may be set to uh, set records on most games, most uh, races won in a season is also the champion. I know. Did
1: not see it coming, <laughs> but um, yeah, Spencer. Let's talk a little bit about. Verstappen winning the Drivers' Championship in Japan. That, that was a weird race. We said we weren't going to do a DNF that weekend because it was at 3 a.m. Um, mm-hmm. And then we're going to talk a little bit about our, you know, uh, I guess, opinions, thoughts on Austin being at the race, the USGP in general. We're going to talk about how, the exciting finish in the race on Sunday, which I thought was one of the best of the season. And then all of the other things swirling around Formula One right now, there is, as always, controversy drama cheating accusations um seats are filling up for next year so let's we'll start with max verstappen spencer uh takeaways from red bulls championship win the season
2: this is this is to me like a, a big shift you know i know that for for you know i would call like class of drive to survive fans that it is unusual seeing a world where lewis hamilton is not you know, the default number one, but this is a real shift toward either Red Bull being dominant, like the dominant team, which they have been this year by far. I know for a while we hoped Ferrari would come along and really give them a run, but Ferrari kept tripping on their own toes at every single race, I think is the kindest way to put it. And they're obviously not quite there yet. I think everybody expects Leclerc to be there. I think they expect Leclerc to grow into know the kind of driver who is really sort of on max verstappen's level in terms of being that little one percent difference that takes you from a really great race team to being championship exceptional excelsior etc but the takeaway for me is this that like the campaign is long it took red bull years to get here it took ferrari years to get within striking distance of um red bull and mercedes and it took years for mercedes to both get here And also to get themselves in trouble by missing on the car this hard, like they did all year. There is the potential next year, right? For us to see something, I think we haven't seen in a while, which is a legitimate three-team race. There is a possibility that if Mercedes gets right in the off season and fixes what they need to fix and builds a machine that they don't have to spend the entire season fighting, then we might have a three-team race next year. So is this the beginning of like another long five to eight year run for one team dominating everything? It may be, but there's another really intriguing possibility lurking right there in terms of where we may be at in F1 history. I don't know. This kind of like alternate history turn in the road stuff is fascinating to me in terms of where we might be headed.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think I think my two takeaways from watching Max Verstappen this season are kind of a, along the same lines as yours. On the one hand, I think that even if Ferrari had not made the mistakes that they made in strategy, I think this Red Bull car is just so much better that it wouldn't have mattered. It probably would have been a closer competition and maybe would have taken a couple more weeks for Verstappen to clinch it. But I think that they nailed it with the car this year and they are by far and away more consistent and pit stops on strategy. Verstappen doesn't make Mistakes ever. He's a machine, and he absolutely <clears throat> deserved the championship. Uh, he deserved probably to find out he won it in a better way, but um, we can talk about that later. And I think or that might... or
2: maybe there are some people who may disagree with that—that that he found out of the way that he should.
1: <laughs> exactly, that's true. I de- it really depends how you feel about Verstappen. I think. And then my other takeaway is that this season was a season in which the cars went through massive changes on the technical side and. Like you said, next year, there's going to be things that Mercedes and Ferrari learn from this year's cars that we expect them to also improve at. We expect Mercedes, as we saw with Lewis trying to defend Verstappen this weekend, Verstappen's just, he was crazy fast and the cars were not very close in terms of of speed, but massive improvement compared to the beginning of the season where Mercedes was not able to do much of anything and, and every race we were just watching the driver's porpoise down the straightaways. So I think Mer- Mercedes already showed improvement with this these new regulations. I think uh, Ferrari has a car that's right there. And I agree with you, Spencer. I think it sets up a pretty exciting uh, three-way battle uh, that I think would be incredible next season. I still think Red Bull and Verstappen are the, the betting favorites, and they are very likely to win a third year in a row. But it was, it was an exciting season for Verstappen, and... Uh, It it was very cool to see the way that they did not, like, they just felt confident the whole season and rode at home. And even though there was rain and and issues in Japan and perhaps not a full race raced, they took it in stride. And then they won the Constructors' Cup in Austin.
2: I mean, we can say nice things. We should say some nice things before we get into the not I nice things was about really Red nice. Bull.
1: I think I just. It was, was really
2: very. Nice. You were really nice. I want to extend that. I think we can actually add this in that, in addition to Red Bull procedurally and in terms of the technical composition of that team, like as close to flawless as you can get, like their pit stops. Yesterday, I was talking with a friend of mine. And they're like, I want to do one thing as well as Red Bull does pit stops, right? <laughs> Zero yeah. issues great team chemistry like if you're around them in the paddock that's a good vibe
1: and they, like you and can never, tell yeah they never like forget a tire or like no, run
2: over no, a tire gun mean, yeah, they never they never get that wrong and they've managed every race really well for the maybe second time in the history of this podcast or even in f1 media in general let's say something nice about christian horner without immediately coupling it with a backhanded insult the man did a great job yeah, they, they that's a that's a race team working with great chemistry and working with excellent sort of like I think internal cohesion is the word. Like if you're around them, there are no hiccups. There's no drama. There's very little hurry. They move fast, but don't hurry. And on top of that, they have a number two driver, Checo, who does everything you want a number two driver to do. Yeah, Everything. An absolutely selfless driver capable of running both at the front of the pack. And running interference for a driver? Like, that's a good mix right now. They hit on the car. They have a great team, top to bottom. Everything went right for them, right? Until, like, the only hiccup in the season was the death of the uh, the team's owner, Dietrich Mateschitz, the head of Red Bull, uh, who passed away this week. It's the reason that they are delaying negotiations over their punishment for an overspend. Um, yeah. I think that's probably something that like we're naturally getting into now that we've said all these nice things about Red Bull. We do have right. to point out the fact that they're 1.8 mil over in terms of how much they can spend. For the lay person, F1 um, it has kind of a salary cap in terms of what they can spend. Now, how big are these budgets? They are massive. They are hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. I think the, the Excel spreadsheet that, that Red Bull submitted to FIA had 74,000 line items, 74,000 cells that they had to look through, right? So that's the size we're talking about here. They went 1.8 mil over. Just that's a lot of money, and that's not a lot of money, right? Relative to the amount of yeah. money everyone spends, but that's also. In a sport that relies on thin margins, that is a substantial amount of money.
1: I think it's substantial if that if that is the number, which there have been different numbers reported, mm-hmm. different percentages, and it's still a little unclear, you know, if that number like like I've I've heard slash read that this is number just came from uh Red Bull going over on its catering budget, which like that's not how I mean... budgets necessarily work because if you go over in one thing and you have a cost cap, you then have to like, you don't get to excuse it as like, oh, we ordered too much champagne that, at that one party or whatever. Um, yeah, Spencer, it's it's unfortunate because this is for last year's budget. And so last mm-hmm. year's title already, you know, controversial to begin with, with Verstappen winning after you
2: don't, you don't say
1: (laughs) after everything in Abu Dhabi. Exactly. And the FIA Mm -hmm. is not going to take the race or take the championship away from him. They're not going to take points away. They've said that, but now there's this very bizarre situation where the FIA has told Red Bull, if they are willing to admit that they did something wrong, they'll get a less severe punishment. However, Red Bull has already said that they did nothing wrong and that this is all, you know, baloney, so uh, I don't know what they're going to do. And then in the meantime, like you mentioned, their their company's founder passed away, so there's now a postponement on any sort of decision on what to do moving forward. Now, McLaren's um, team principal, CEO, Zach Brown has been very vocal. He wrote a letter to everyone saying that if a team cheated, he didn't say the name of the team, but he said if a team mm-hmm. cheated, they should be punished severely, otherwise, what are what are we doing here? Lewis Hamilton, same, similar comments said, what's the point of the cost cap if you can just violate it and nothing happens to you? Um, so I I don't I don't know exactly what what the FIA does here. They're not necessarily known for making the right decisions in in these cases. I mean even the the Grand Prix this weekend, Spencer, the George Russell time penalty versus then after the race the Alonzo time penalty. Like there's just no real rhyme or reason to some of the decisions that are being made and then at the same time and I which i've now said like six times like why not why let this loom over like the final few races of the season why not just come out and and say what you're gonna do why let this be a a question or a discussion it's just once again a, a very bizarre formula one thing that you know every time you think you get a grasp on the rules and and what happens in the sport something that's never happened before happens and no one knows what to do
2: yeah and you get to negotiate your own punishment a very peculiar arrangement that that you know you get to say whether you're going to accept this or not and if you don't well i guess we'll just come back to the table welcome to the fun dramatic bureaucratic and mysterious side of f1 which is everything on the track, very clear in terms of who finishes first, second, and third. Everything that happens off the track, it, it's basically a crapshoot in terms of, of how things are managed and who gets punished for what. Um, Aston Martin, by the way, also did commit an overspend. It's more of a procedural uh, error in terms of their reporting. And also, they're not the reigning champion, so there just simply won't be as much scrutiny right. on them for their little peccadilloes. Do you want to? Do you want to talk a little bit about Texas? Do you want to talk I a little love, bit about? I would
1: love to, Spencer. Uh, so we were both at the Miami Grand Prix. That was my first Formula One race. This was my second. I have to say, the difference in races, in venues, in crowds, in atmospheres—it felt like night and day. Like this was a real motorsport race for motorsport fans. Like this was so much fun it was very Mm -hmm. cool i i was super impressed by everything i mean the the track is incredible i've i watched you know i've watched the us grand prix before but i've never attended it in person so seeing the way that it kind of all is laid out and you can see multiple parts of the track at once not something that miami has really (laughs) miami's Mm -hmm. a street circuit style it goes around hard rock stadium and fake marinas and the turnpike and such this i thought was really fun and it it seems like a big event in austin that people get excited for every year and i just like i really enjoyed my time there i i don't know about you but um i felt that this was a great representation of of formula one in the u.s and the types of fans that were there like i i just mm-hmm. had a great experience with fans it seemed like everyone was having a, a great time and enjoying themselves i don't know it was it was awesome
2: so the thing i love about this track it does have character it's very hard to make a track with character or personality if you're doing it out of the parking lot of the Miami Dolphins stadium it's much easier to do if you build it from whole cloth if you just make mm-hmm. it from from scratch which is what they did with Circuit of the Americas. I got up on turn one. Turn one, which is Big Red, uh, the nine-story climb from its bottom to its top, which ends in a hairpin right out of the paddock. It's an incredible scene because from Big Red, you can see at least six different spots on the track all at once. It's as close as you can come, I think, in F1 in general to seeing the entire track unobstructed. Like it is, it, you, it's not totally unobstructed, but you can get a full sense of the speed scale and size of the track and the cars moving through it all at once. I don't know if there's another spot quite like it anywhere in racing that is an observation tower, which they also have, yes. which is nicknamed the mullet because it kind of looks like it has a mullet.
1: Did you go to the top of the observation tower?
2: No, I was that busy that I did not have time to go up to the observation tower.
1: I was on top of the observation tower as part of my job this weekend. I was shooting a video with a couple brands and they wanted me to go up there and interview fans at the top of the tower. And it was two things. One of the most incredible views I have ever seen at any sporting venue event ever it was incredible up there. Second thing, the most terrified I've probably been in like 10 years, probably no, I'll say 20 years, probably the most terrified I've been since I watched I know you did last summer when I was in like kindergarten. Mm -hmm. And I'm not afraid of heights. But this was really freaking tall and scary. So I was up there for like 10 minutes. And I was like, you know, I think I think I'm good. I think I'm gonna go back down. Super windy up there. There's helicopters flying around like the helicopter shooting like the aerial footage making these incredible moves the whole time spencer like that in itself mm-hmm. could have been a show it was so cool but yeah that tower scared the shit out of me so um you didn't miss much i i think the nine story turn at turn one probably was was worth the view and, and less a little mm-hmm. less scary
2: it was a great place to watch uh, the community discover one another i saw somebody with a mexico flag i'm just up in the bleachers so he's, or the grandstand so you look down and you see somebody with a Mexico flag and, you know, they've got their Checo shirt on and they have uh, the the tricolor, right? They've got the flag. And I saw somebody else with a Mexican flag spot them and they immediately began to move towards each other. And then another fan saw them and you could sort of see like all the Checo people come together over here. And then over there, just a little bit to their right, there's all these Ferrari people, sort of all that red congealing. It was just a charming scene when you go, okay, well. I'm sort of getting like an idea of what a great theater for the sport this place is. In addition to that, you get everyone who shows up at Texas. I did uh, get to see, let's see, uh, I saw Shaq, which you can't help but do because there's nothing <laughs> that is shaped like Shaq in the world besides Shaq. He's just the largest thing in every environment he's in. Uh, let's see, Brad Pitt was there. saw Pharrell. I saw Michael Collins, America's caddy. I hung out with him quite wow. a bit. And the hardest flex I've ever seen anyone do is Pharrell came up to Michael Collins, not the other way around.
1: That's incredible. Like, I saw Michael Collins playing golf with Pierre Gasly and Yuki Sonoda on social media mm-hmm. the other day. So I enjoyed yeah. that. I mean, we also have to mention Daniel Ricciardo riding into the paddock on a horse named yep. Horsey face on Thursday. I think the drivers seem to have a lot of fun in Texas. Like they seem to really enjoy yeah. like appropriating like Texan culture, I guess you could say, like that there's boots, there's hats, there's horses, um, mm-hmm. sheriff badges, the whole nine yards. So yeah, Spencer, I think it was just a fun weekend for the sport. I think as long as Coda stays on the schedule, I think it's okay to have these races in Vegas and Miami that are total like spectacle, like Super Bowl type events, as long as you get the one that is real like race car driving, um, which is yeah. I think texas is
2: yeah they get to go wide open it's a very fast track with some extremely high speed curves they took that they take that triple s curve uh right out of turn one they take those at like up 160. like it is breath to it is breathtaking racing when they're at full speed it can lead to some real genuine terror if something goes wrong we did have an incident with lance stroll and fernando alonso that resulted in a wild ride for Alonso and the end of the race for Stroll. Somehow, Alonzo's car uh, could continue, which is amazing to me because I saw Stroll's car, which lost two tires, pulled off to the side after the race on the trailer. A unimaginably violent impact resulting in the wheels coming off, not the rim, yeah. but the wheels came off and were rolling down the track. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That was a, a crazy collision. Should we talk a little bit about the race? I mean, there was. Like you said, like there was some great overtaking in this race, especially oh, at yeah. the very end. I mean, we saw Leclerc make a move over Perez. We saw Vettel battling to the end with Kevin Magnussen, um, mm-hmm. Verstappen, and Lewis Hamilton. Although I think I think a lot of fans are disappointed Lewis Hamilton wasn't able to defend his position longer, but at the same time, I think he knew, what, you know, it was what are inevitable. you going to do? Right. Yeah. He had, he had hard tires on a little bit. I think not, not that much older, like maybe one, one lap or older than Verstappen's but like Verstappen's going to win that race. Right. Like he,
2: he is. <laughs> and, and, and it only got, it only got easier for him when Carlos Signs was knocked out in yeah. turn one on the first lap on the start when Signs was spun out and, uh, had to retire due to damage to his car. That's a hard break for Carlos Sainz. I don't want to forget about him in all of this. There were great overtakes. There's competitive racing. This is another reason why COTA is awesome and that I hope business concerns don't drive it off the American rotation. Ultimately, COTA is its own deal. It's not like a sort of F1 has stake in the Vegas-Miami races, whereas it's a straight sort of, you know, check for service exchange when it comes to COTA. Because the racing is really thrilling to me i think it rewards aggressive driving um you can't really be too conservative out there you will have to pass people and you can see the drivers who really thrive on that you get like a top 10 that's got yeah vettel who really loves banging around with people out there and magnuson i feel bad for vettel and magnuson by the way because that's a mutual respect thing that they have yeah. going on like like they they're generally friendly towards the other and they always get mashed up in the last couple of years or the last couple of races on the track where one of them has to pass and, you know, take, in other words, they got to take bread out of the other's mouth. And I always feel bad about that just (laughs) because I'm like, Oh man, I want everybody to be friends, but especially you guys, that's not the dude that I'm most thrilled about. Okay. I'm thrilled about two things. All right. First, I'm thrilled that in the top 10 you get of all things. Yes. Yes. Yuki Sonoda points. That's yes. right. Texas Texas was kind to our short king. He ends up finishing a strong night and bringing home points for Alpha Tari. Um but there is another development that I wanted to mm-hmm. talk about which is you know um, normally we hand out a best lab here. But I don't feel like that's the right song for this. I feel like George Russell, normally our best lad. Um, we're going to turn that down before we get a copyright strike, but that is Anarchy in the UK <laughs> by the Sex Pistols. Okay, I,
1: was, I was wondering. Thank you.
2: Yeah. Um, we'll do the opposite of playing God Save the Queen because he's no longer <laughs> best lad. Yeah. Boy, doing absolutely an accomplice in spitting out Carlos signs and forcing him off the track. I know he didn't mean to do that. But as the announcers say, George has had his elbows out. I think we might be we might be on a slow heel turn away from best lad status to the mad lad. He might have gone from best lad. I love the
1: mad lad. That's a great nickname. Spencer, I don't know what is causing this heel turn. I don't know if it's because he's kind of not finishing as consistently. Like at the beginning of the season, right? He was finishing top five in every race. And then Lewis Mm -hmm. Hamilton kind of midway through the season started out gaining Russell and and finishing ahead of him. And I wonder if he is, you know, I mean, he's obviously competitive against his teammate, but he's like, well, if Lewis is finishing on these podiums, why am I not? I need to be more aggressive. I I can't be the best lad. I need to be the mad lad and I need to get out there with my elbows out. And so, yeah, this race, I mean, uh, Carlos Sainz had a bad start Verstappen got ahead of him he tried to make up for it on turn one Russell probably didn't leave him enough space to get across and so he just basically t-boned him as Ted Kravitz said because Texans like their steak and Mm -hmm. signs was out of the race at turn one Russell got a five-second penalty which um I think was probably fair he still ended up finishing I think fifth so he was fifth yeah so really terrible luck for signs I mean if he had just been able to get off the line faster he probably would have led the race maybe not one because Verstappen's still Verstappen but yeah terrible luck sad for George Russell to see him take this turn no longer be our best lad but at the same time like you gotta play with your elbows out sometimes right
2: now he's the mad lad So there it is. We award no best lad this week. We're going to go ahead and hand that off to the mad lad, George Russell, although an honorable mention for potential future best lad in the form of Lando Norris, who, in addition to having a top 10 finish for McLaren in a, a race where Daniel Ricardo, again, had a lot of fun before the race, struggled during the race out there by himself, garnering a top 10. Lando Norris also finished first in the golf simulator. Uh, to do this. Yeah, he hit 308 off the tee in the golf simulator. Now, wow. I'm going to tell you something that is extremely funny. We've t- talked about a little bit about Lando Norris no longer being the uh, cheeky, uh, smiling, you know, game for a joke kind of guy and going, no, 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 I'm a different Lando. I'm very, very serious. A lot of people will say that's a PR thing where you go, you know, Lando, you need to be more serious if we're going to really sort of get your brand where we need to get it. There's also this. Do you know how long it took Lando Norris to hit 308 off that simulator? No. An hour. He was there wow. for a during a race week. Lando Norris got so competitive That's that he was amazing. at the sim for an hour. I talked to the lady who the, the lady who ran it. Um, and she's like, yeah, he was here for an hour hitting balls. Not because he was not because he was just, you know, dithering. Not because he was avoiding work, but because he got so hyper focused, and they kind of had to pull him off it. Like, come on, man, we we got to go do other we stuff.
1: Gotta, we gotta, go. You haven't slept. He's like, no, I, I gotta I, win. Spencer, I am wearing my my Lando hoodie right now. Resplendent. Showing my, showing
2: my you can't. The, the listeners can't see it, but you look. That is an amazing orange.
1: I. Re- it's papaya. Um. Yeah. Lando. Mm. Lando started sixth, fell back to thirteen, and then finished sixth. He had a great drive. Um, Like you said, Ricardo had a lot of fun before the race. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Still hey, no idea what he's going to do next year. Although I guess during the broadcast, Ted Kravitz said he might be the Red Bull reserve driver next year, which, which uh, sure.
2: <laughs> so Red, Red Bull, of course, being like very, very content conscious, very brand conscious. That's a, that would be a savvy move because Daniel gets to keep something like a seat. But he also gets to make podcasts and stuff for Red Bull. I see yeah. where this is going.
1: Oh, 100%. And I think he bring, he will bring some personality to that team. I
2: mm-hmm. don't know if that
1: team's either of – I mean, Checo's a dad. Like, Checo's an, mm-hmm. a nice guy. And Verstappen is someone who people either love or hate. But Daniel Ricciardo is someone that people are charmed by. I don't know. I think I think people will enjoy seeing him – back at Red Bull and he'll still be around race weekends, which is probably something that he really wants. He'll still get to drive we're gonna, sometimes too.
2: We're, we're gonna see a lot of Daniel Ricciardo like jumping out of yes. planes and stuff. There's gonna be a lot of GoPro. Yes.
1: One more contestant for mad lad, Lance Stroll. Mm-hmm. I think we probably both agree that that collision was his fault. Like he moved too late while Alonzo was about to make a move around him and caused Alonso mm-hmm. to basically do a wheelie for like a football field length. Um, which was very frightening. Luckily, both of them were okay. Stroll didn't even really, his wheels came off, but he didn't really end up making any sort of impact with anything. But he uh, was out of the race after that. And then Alonzo took a 30-second penalty, which I was surprised by. What did you make of that?
2: Um, I didn't really properly understand what on earth he could have done to avoid that at all. You know, I, I I think that's probably a very strict reading of the rules in terms of who has a duty to avoid, right?
0: Yeah.
2: I don't I don't know what he, I, I disagree with it simply because I don't know what he could have done to avoid that contact. Alonso was racing was racing aggressively. And sometimes when people race aggressively, um, which by the way should be a given when you go with Fernando Alonso. Like if you know Alonso's behind you and you're Lance Stroll and he's slightly faster. That man is going to be clawing at me on the straightaways. I know this. I should know this. So situate, like I get by rule, that's probably the call. Situationally, that just seems, I don't want to say, it, it seems it, it seems absurd to me that that's what you would call.
1: Well, do we agree that Lance Stroll is the second maddest lattice this week?
2: Second and- maddest lattice. And actually had like, Overall, man, every time Aston Martin goes to Texas, they grow to three times their normal size. <laughs> like if they move the race headquarters to like Bastrop, Texas, I guarantee you Aston Martin, that's a, that's a top 14 next year because they just get stronger. The closer they are to find smoked brisket.
1: <laughs> um, Same actually. I,
2: yeah, all of I'm us same.
1: operating the most efficiently after Brisket, do we have any more final thoughts on the race, on Max Verstappen, Red Bull, the cost cap, t- breakfast tacos? I mean, you and I both really admire and enjoy breakfast tacos. I had like $30 worth of torchies while sitting on my hotel bed the other night, and it was probably the happiest I've been in like six months. I, I really <clears> enjoy Austin Spencer. I really like this race. Any, any other thoughts to-, to finish this one out?
2: Um, only this, that Haas did it right. By having multiple barbecue options, including the Beyond Meat Magnuson, for those wow. of us on the vegetarian and vegan kick. Because remember, it's not only for that. My, I believe it was one of our crew members who lives in Austin recommended that, that they did vegan food where they managed to smoke and fry oyster mushrooms. Proof, by the way, that Texas can make anything unhealthy and delicious. Anything. Mushrooms. <laughs> vegan food, whatever you got, they're going to turn it into something fat and delicious. And that, to me, that sums up the Texas race. Fat, delicious, fast, indulgent, really well run. Like, I have no qualms about how anything is run on that site anyway. And after, a like, just just a delightful experience. I hope they keep it on the schedule.
1: Here's one thing, Spencer. I am very... I don't know, nerdy and stupid and that. I love to complain about like traffic, like dad things. I love to complain about like lack of infrastructure, lack of organization. Mm -hmm. I was ready strong. Yeah. I was ready to be like, wow, it took forever to get out of that place. What a disaster. No, it didn't. It was very easy to get in and out of Mm -hmm. this one lane highway that took me to and from the race. I don't know if it was the same for fans. I know they had like shuttles and stuff this year, but like honestly hats off cowboy tip of the cowboy hat to the people yeah absolutely
2: didn't talk, didn't talk to anybody who had a bad time who wasn't you know like hey my only complaint was place is too big and i was a little bit far away and i'm oh, like well i, I gotta i stop.
1: walked so much
2: yeah i had uh, i was at sixteen thousand steps both days both days. And i wasn't steps. moving and yeah and probably i don't
1: mostly in the press area too
2: mostly in the press area and i was still moving at the equivalent of about seven or eight miles a day so you know <laughs> Get, get your get your get your like low impact cardio up because you love it you're you're gonna need it coming up by the way another delightful race that is a guaranteed party on october 28th through the 30th we have formula uno gran premio de la ciudad de mexico we have mexico mexico coming up i am so excited this is one of my favorite races this is this is for my money the best crowd. In all of F1 is the Mexican crowd. And when Checo makes passes, they go ape. It is delightful.
1: And Spencer, there's only three races left, uh, I believe. We already have a, a champion, we have a constructors champion. Mm-hmm. But I'm still, you know, I and I hope I think our audience is too. I'm still watching because these are some of the best races I think on the schedule coming up. And we still need to find out where everyone else ends up. There's still battles in two through nine uh for the rest of the constructors and those things obviously equal more money and standings for next year where your your spot is on the uh in the paddock it's going to be a fun finish to the season i think and we're gonna see some more good racing so spencer it's been real uh, i'm glad we got to spend time together in austin though brief uh and and i hope people enjoy the show
2: yeah um i hope they do as well we will be back after the Mexican Grand Prix for Descos Matana in beautiful, sunny Miami. I am Spencer Hall on the road. Thank you for listening to DNF and happy racing.
1: And happy Diwali.
2: Happy Diwali. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer.